Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. Here at Promo Kitchen, we are proud to be partners with and members of PPAI, one of today's sponsors of this broadcast. Today's Promo Kitchen podcast is brought to you by PPAI's Get In Touch campaign at the PPAI Expo, which is coming up January 13th to the 17th, 2019. The PPAI Expo continues to build a lasting legacy by creating an extraordinary promotional products trade show experience. Industry professionals love the PPAI Expo, so much so it continues to be the largest, longest running, and best attended promotional products trade show in the world. Make your plans to join the industry's movers and shakers January the 13th to 17th, 2019 at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. Register today at expo.ppai.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring boundary pushers, rabble-rousers, freaks and geeks who are shaking up the $23.3 billion promotional products industry. In this conversation, Robert Fiveash and I have the opportunity to speak with Sean Lichtenberger, co-founder and president of St. Catharines, Ontario-based Brand Boulevard. Sean and his business partner, Chris Sinclair, have created a very progressive environment at Brand Boulevard by addressing mental health challenges and issues within the workplace head on. A little while ago, Sean and Chris had invested in the services of a business coach with mental health counseling experience for the benefit of their entire company. And I think in this day and age, what motivated this conversation was the impact that mental illness has on the modern workplace overall. And it was a very interesting approach that Chris and Sean had taken that motivated us to have this conversation with him. Over the course of the next 50 minutes, Robert and I had the chance to sit down with Sean where he unpacked his philosophy and his approach to handling mental illness in the workplace. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much. Hey, Sean, it's so wonderful to have you on the Promo Kitchen podcast. Thanks so much for being here, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. So I want to start off with this question about Brand Boulevard and how you've made an investment in your staff's well-being by investing in a mental health counselor. Can you tell me why mental health is a priority for you and your team? Absolutely. Uh, Funny story to kind of go with that. I think first we all kind of know healthy mind productivity, obviously, from a business standpoint of view. We know that that's there. Yeah. And work-life balance. I mean, it's easy to say keep the two separate. You know, I think it's a bit more of an old school approach with that saying, but it's just an impossible feat, right? You have a bad experience at home life, it's going to carry through to your work day. Where it kind of resonates with us is years ago, we brought in a business coach and a company that just kind of years of hearing Chris and I, you kind of get mommy and daddy deaf, we've kind of found. So we brought in a business coach that 
was aligned a little bit in how our thinking was to grow Brand Boulevard. And we brought this counselor in, and that was his main forte. Now, he did other stuff working with just individuals on the counseling side of things, too. But what we found in time when he started working with people that individually, the conversations would lead towards work-life balance or Mm -hmm. issues in that person's life. And it was steering away from business. And the feedback we were getting from our staff was they valued that time so much. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of weird way, kind of by accident, we just continued to roll with it. And, and being a mainly millennial staff, we knew how important this is with our company and some of people around us have, have close relationships with the mental health thing. So it really ended up working out well for us that way. And it's kind of, we still flow with that. We have somebody that comes in every single Wednesday from noon until five, and we have a rotating chart of people he sits with. Hmm. And we provide an office for him here at Brand Boulevard, and he sits down and talks to people about their life just in general and what's going on, where their heads are. Sometimes it's Brand Boulevard work-related. Sometimes it's personal-related. Sometimes with how the two mix and match. So it's been really successful for us to do that, and I know our team really values it. Sean, when you and I were speaking in your office a couple of months ago about bringing a counselor in for the benefit of your employees, You'd made an interesting comment about the millennial generation and their different relationship. Perhaps you even said their openness to speaking about mental health. Is that something that you can speak a little bit more about? Well, because we're mainly millennial, I think I'm probably more attuned to that. I mean, as a Gen Xer, I can kind of see maybe a little bit of both sides. But it piqued my interest when this started happening. And some of my own experiences, which I don't mind sharing as we go forward with mental health, I took more of a general interest in it. So... When you start to look at some of the stats, just in general, when you do the research on how millennials are more attuned to mental health, whether it be anxiety, whether it be depression, and I think it's a combination of a lot of things is the real answer there. Yeah. Unfortunately, there isn't enough data as far as years of of HAP to really analyze it. So when you do a lot of the research and you look at the people that are looking at it, it comes from a lot of different angles. Some of the common themes are, I guess, funny, I was just reading an article yesterday knowing we were doing this podcast, and it was really relating some of it to just how a lot of the millennials were parented. I mean, there was a major helicopter parenting world there as well, right? Where yeah. that's part of it. I mean, to go as far as to say to be 22 now versus a baby boomer that was 22 or Gen X or 22, they're very different stages. A lot of millennials in their early 20s don't consider themselves adults anymore. Yeah. I mean, you hear some of those stories about some of them will bring their parent to an interview. Like yeah. uh, this stuff is happening and it's never happened before. So we're trying to kind of wrap our head around all of this, I think, as a, as a society and how we move forward with that. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And you're hearing tons from the social media world as well, too. And for all the great social media does, and there's a negative to that. We're kind of living that highlight real world, right? Where yeah. you don't sit around anymore and think about things. You're always looking at your phone and waiting for that next ping. And then you can look at the angle of the scientific angle of it, too, where people are saying, hey, that affects your mind the more you're yeah. not sitting around and just kind of being who you are when you're always looking for the next thing to do. And I think all of that plays into the millennial world as far as mental health and how they're grasping with it. And and I think that's why there's some scary stats out there as far as this generation and how it's affecting them more. The other thing to give great kudos to this generation, the millennials and and even some of the Gen Xers, is they verbalize it a lot more than past generations, which I think is a great, great thing. Right. And Sean, I think you mentioned something that we all, I think, believe that there is a bit of a dark side to social media. But, you know, in this sense, I am not a uh, certainly not an expert on social media and don't throw a lot of kudos to social media very often. But in this sense, these folks generally have grown up around social media and 
very often are comfortable sharing in ways that other generations, previous generations, never would have considered. And the comfort level of sharing on Facebook or whatever it might be, your social media of choice, is it's the way things are done today, obviously. And, and mm. I think in terms of what you all are doing, this was something that simply wasn't talked about back in the day. And I think social media has given folks sort of a key to open that door and a comfort level to discuss it. And that's a really good thing. I agree. And I think it can go either way there too, right? Like I completely agree with you. It's a tool for them to use, right? For anyone to use that way, to voice it. And it's easier to do it in that platform. And the negative side of that social media side of things is if you're not, I don't want to say mentally strong, but if you're not, you can get caught up in that world. And then all of a sudden, everyone puts on their best face. I mean, we have have a staff of people that are huge Instagrammers, right? So you have how good can I make myself look in this picture? <laughs> how many filters can I put on? And it becomes a world of fake lives, right? You're trying to, so you can get easily, a lot of them get swallowed up in that world. And then you can kind of get in a little bit of a dark place. Like, am I not as good enough as these people? Look at their lives. Look at yeah. what they do. And I think that's such a an issue that's happening to a lot of uh, yeah. people in this generation. I was really referencing people's comfort level. You know, So the program that you all have now, I would imagine 10 years ago, you would not have a line out the door of people you know, willing to talk to this counselor. And I think the fact that people are more comfortable sharing on social media today probably makes them more comfortable sharing in the, the situation that you all have, have so uh, wonderfully created in your company. So kudos to you guys. The other question I had along the lines of who really is taking advantage of this, the statistics say that I think 78% of suicide attempts in the United States are by men. And that's a pretty significant difference in terms of the 50-50 population. And I'm just curious in what you all are seeing. I think there is a stereotype that goes back a long way, but the stereotype is that men need to hold their feelings inside and they need to appear to stay strong and that sort of thing. And I'm curious what sort of response you're having at your company in terms of gender. Does it swing one way or the other? And are the men feeling comfortable doing this as much as the women are? Well, we're kind of split down the middle. I think we have a bit more females here than we do males. I mean, we're not privy, Chris and I, to all of what they talk mm-hmm. about, obviously, for confidentiality. But I would say, generally speaking, females have been more open about it. And saying that, I mean, we at our office, we kind of have a uh, kind of laugh when I say that because we kind of go around the office sometimes and categorize each other and what color we are. And when I say that, we've taken something called dimensions. And it's a personality assessment that every employee has taken. And every kind of hire that's coming up, we have them take it if we're looking to bring them on board. And we're very blue dominant. And what basically means is blue is more of an emotional color in our world. Mm. So they're a lot more vulnerable. They're a lot more open about their vulnerability. They're definitely willing to talk about it. And we even have a chunk of our men in our office that are part of that. So when you get kind of that world of individual, then you're going to be okay with that vulnerability a little bit more. So I, I haven't noticed too much of the male-female here, but I will say on to what you just said and where I think it's great is I think a good example of that is the sports world today. When you look at professional sports teams and the yeah. athletes and all male and you really see how like even Bell Let's Talk locally, and you're, you're seeing a lot of these professional athletes encouraging vulnerability as a man. And to what you were saying, I completely agree. I think guys aren't willing to talk about that traditionally. They aren't. They don't. They would rather hide that in. They don't want to show any chinks in their armor. They don't want to show weakness. And I think that this is helping with men to stand up and say, hey, I'm having these issues. And I think it's 
generally maybe a little bit easy for the female to do that, but I think the sports world is a really good example of where that's growing. I'm curious about the mechanics of the program. Does everyone at Brand Boulevard participate in this? Obviously, it's a voluntary thing, but has everyone taken advantage of this service that you bring in once a week? No, actually. Yes and no. Good story kind of attached to that as far as how that kind of played out. <laughs> I think for some people that come aboard kind of soon, they're kind of like, what is this? I'm going to talk to somebody? Uh, right, right, what, right. what do I talk about? Uh, what happens? Yeah. So we've had a few good victories there where like, we have the internal coach that comes in every Wednesday and he's kind of like, he, he won't let, again, he won't let Chris and I know as far as some of the confidentiality, which is great, but he'll give us some heads up on stuff for sure. We, we also have an external counselor, so I can touch on that after, but basically it's new to some people. So we've had an example of, a, of an individual somewhat recently with Brand Boulevard as far as going in and not really knowing what to say, and they're kind of uncomfortable. So they're kind of like, hey, do I have to do this? And of course not. It's yeah. not mandatory. Is it something you want to do? I mean, most of our staff takes part in it. Some people are just generally a little bit more of an introvert, and they're not more open to that, yeah. so they don't. But we've had some good stories as far as people that have not, and then something's happened in their life, and they use this as kind of their vessel to talk about. Yeah, And that makes you feel good as far as a victim is when something happened. They're like, I do sit with this guy for an hour, and I'm trying to figure out why it's important. Everyone else is kind of doing it. so And then they've turned to grow into somebody that's really now, they've come back to Chris or I, and they've said, hey, I really value that. I had a wicked session, yeah, and I really value that that happened. Right. And as you look back at this investment that you've made in your people, how have you felt it's benefited Brand Boulevard? You can answer in any way you wish, whether it's a financial ROI, cultural retention, fewer sick days, ability to recruit. How do you quantify that, if even that's the right way of asking it in terms of the impact it's had on Brand Boulevard? I think it's a great way to ask it because as a business owner, you're always going to look to your bottom line. How do you justify this line item, right? Yeah. So, I think the long haul of it, if you look at some of the studies out there, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think down the road, you have fewer sick days, all of that stuff. I mean, we're new enough that we don't have any of that data, obviously. I think culturally, for sure, it helps. I think retention, I think ability to recruit as well. I think all of those are hit checkboxes because it is something we talk about when we're bringing somebody on or in that interview phase. So it's another sign to show what we're all about with our staff, too, is that I mean, we're here to support you in any way we can. And obviously, there's a whole other world happening outside of Brand Boulevard, and your world has to intermingle with that. So how can we help you? I mean, hey, if they're saying every, what, one in five or something in that range, or I think one in three suffer some form of anxiety or mental health. Depends where you look. You might get a different staff, but there's smoke, there's fire. There's no question. If it's not them, they have somebody, a loved one, that they can understand where it's coming from. And there's people that have just wanted to cope with how they can deal with a good friend that's going through something as severe as depression. Yeah. Have you found in your local community in St. Catharines, Sean, that you're unique in offering this kind of support to your employees? Or are you finding other people in your local business community have also made similar investments in their teams from a mental health capacity? I haven't noticed. I haven't had a light conversation like this where I've been able to say, yeah, we do this and we do that. That hasn't happened yet. I haven't surveyed very deep to know, but right. no, I've, I've had a few odd people say when I told them how much the price was, I've had a few people say, why would you do that? Right. Right. <laughs> so I think a bit more of that, just looking at the bottom line, why would you put that much money into that when you can't really quantify the results very yeah. fast, right? Yeah. Well, I think the reason I asked that question is that, I, I mean, we, the 
three of us on this podcast right now are business owners and we're connected with lots of other business owners in the promotional industry as well as outside of it. And you'll hear entrepreneurs that will talk about how they invest in culture days or they'll invest in family picnics or they'll invest in all these things in their business that may carry with them significant line items, but they feel mm-hmm. about them. But you, <laughs> you often don't hear of people talking about investments in mental health in the same way that they might talk about the annual holiday party. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's why I asked that and wondering whether it's just so new or whether people feel like, oh, well, I do this, but I don't want to talk about it. Maybe in the same ways that they don't, that people in general don't talk about mental illness. I, I don't know. I'm grasping there a little bit, but. No, I, I completely see where you're coming from. And that's more common too, right? And there's not that stigma there. It is a little bit of a different alley to go down and there's different ways to look at that that person or that individual, and we all have them in our organizations, and most of the time we don't know it, they might be dreading going to that staff function. Yeah. And it might be the last thing on their mind. It's like, man, that's out of my comfort zone. That's another avenue that's going to trigger my anxiety, and I'm going to get depressed in the thought process leading up to it. So it's a tough one that way, but at least encouraging that with your crew or your staff or your leadership team to kind of yeah. have those discussions will at least kind of say, hey, listen, we're here to help to talk about things anyway to kind of see... The last thing you want is for anyone to feel that way. But I think it's just more of a, hey, we're showing what we can do, and it's more tangible what you're saying with that. Those, those staff kind of fun things, and they're great, and we do boatloads of that stuff too. But, I mean, if a person's in a dark spot, mental health-wise, that could actually backfire for that individual. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Sure. Uh, Sean, man, this stuff is so good. Thank you, thank you for talking about it. I've got a couple questions just on kind of the nuts and bolts of maybe some decisions around – the counselors and for those out there that are really intrigued with what you guys are doing and may want to do something like it and maybe help kind of give them a first couple baby steps. So a couple questions. I'm curious about the level of training of these folks. Are these PhDs? Are they MDs? Are they social workers? Like how do you choose this person or folks? And then I guess as a follow-up, because what is going on is confidential, how do you know that they're doing a good job? How does the feedback process work if it's confidential? Sure. Well, I can start with the guy that kind of the story I told you a bit ago about how we got a business coach and he wasn't qualified, still not qualified for this and it kind of manifested into it and how much our staff liked that. And there's a few sensitive things that came up. So in individuals, and I know of a place locally that I go to and I talk to somebody on a monthly basis and it's wonderful for me and who I am. And I would start to say, hey, so-and-so, why don't you go see these guys? These guys, it's more private, more professional environment. And not that the guy we bring in internally, he's fantastic, but he's here at our office. People know you're going to talk to them. They know that's not really his forte. He was more of a business coach that kind of grew into this role. He does have years of experience on a lot of our staff, and I think they look up to this individual for that. He's done a wonderful job. So I, I looked up somebody locally that I know, and I know his agency. And recently, he had just purchased by a larger company that has depending on what it is, there's so many counselors. They are social workers, they have PhDs, they have it, depending on what it is, they'll have specialists as far as, hey, if it's a suicide crisis, they have a hot 24-7 hotline, they will have somebody that specializes in anxiety, somebody that specializes in depression, somebody in addiction too. So depending on that issue with the individual, they will cater your visit to them. And I think the key there is to kind of find out around where you are locally, what services are provided. So, I mean, EAP in our language here in Canada, and it might be the same over there, is employee assistance program. So look for certified EAPs is kind of what I would do and what we kind of did in this area. Okay. So are you saying that the person who 
comes in every Wednesday is kind of a, a generalist and isn't specifically trained in prescriptions and et cetera. But, yeah. but if he gets wind of an area where a specialist is needed, then you all provide that assistance also, you, or is that on their you normal? You got it. That, okay. That's exactly it. He can't provide scripts or anything like that. But he can say, hey, guys, I think that this person wants to open up with you about this. And I think we'd actually have a conversation about it. And then we can, the private, away from the office, the counseling service we provide, they would have that ability to sit down with them and provide the scripts if they needed to take some medication or something along those lines, or at least refer them to a doctor that could. Got it. And so, as as you know, many folks have an existing relationship with a mental health provider, maybe before or during or after their employment with you all. How does that work? Do you all subsidize? Are you able to subsidize that, those visits, if they prefer to see their existing healthcare provider, or how does that work? Well, we haven't run into that. I think maybe that's maybe more predominantly because we are younger that way, but we haven't, no. In my knowledge, I know of a few that have seen other people, but I don't know of uh, that was never discussed as far as us kind of doing that. So that hasn't been an issue. I think to answer your other question as well, too, as far as like, how do we know if they're doing a good job and all that other stuff goes? I think communication with the staff members would be the best we do there. I mean, we ask them how it's going, how they're feeling, how everything is. And we don't pry it to any open any of those doors. I mean, that's for them. That would defeat that purpose. But we try to test the, the bathwater, I guess, there to see how they're how they're handling it and how they like it. And just open lines of communication has been really key for us in this whole process. Fantastic. Thank you. No problem. How do you, Sean, deal with the stigma around mental health in terms of it not being as, quote unquote, as serious as other illnesses? And I ask you this question in the context of of an employee. I think we've all heard these stories where if an employee calls up and says they've got the flu it's, sorry, you've got the flu, we'll see you in a couple of days, get better. Whereas if someone were to call in and say that they weren't feeling well, they were feeling depressed, or they were feeling blue that particular day, I think that there's some employers that may not equate that with being as serious as the flu in this particular example. Do you have any comment about that? Because I think that that's one of the things that really drives the discussion around mental illness really underground and that people really don't equate it with being as serious or maybe as legitimate an illness as, say, the other more popular illnesses that we experience in this day. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that stigma, the nice part with that stigma is it's getting better. Yeah. But you're right. It could be the flu and you can see they have the flu. Somebody could break their arm and you see that their arm's bending the wrong way. You know, it's broken. Yeah. But like with the mental side of things, you don't. And I don't want to say an old school approach. I just think it may be a, a lack of knowledge or understanding of the topic is... They can't see it, so they don't know. And, it, and essentially, it could almost be an easy thing to fake, right? But, but yeah. that's just not the case. I think, sure, that could happen in any way you kind of look at it. But I do think generally it's getting better, and I think that that's a fantastic thing. And what you said there about, say, hey, I'm flu and I could be sick for a few days. Sure, we all get the flu and we all get sick and we have to stay home, and we know that. There are signs there. I was reading an article about depression, and that's one of the things. There's If people are afraid to face the day, yeah. they won't face it. And that's an easy out for that. It's like, hey, I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. Yeah. And they're not okay with talking about some of that root issue and what that is. I think what we can kind of do the best is communicate there. And the more we know our staff, the more we know the challenges they're going through, the more we continually promote opening those lines of communication, the better chance they'll explain to us what that root issue is or what that cause is, and we can help tackle that together. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that 
any employee at Brand Boulevard is not going to have any problem with that given the investment you've made in their well-being. But turn the question over to you, Robert, in terms of how any experience that you've had with this as an employer at Brand Fuel, is this something that's cropped up for you? And how is it that how you and Danny might have handled this in the past? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. We certainly don't have a program like Sean's in place, but I absolutely love it. You know, I think like so many things in our lives, things that we're fearful of or or don't quite understand are usually those things that we aren't exposed to. And I think depression and mental health is probably exactly along those lines as well. If you've been so fortunate not to have had friends and family members or personally have experienced it, I think you're probably less likely to understand it and have sympathy and empathy and try to be proactive about it in your organization. Oddly enough, Danny and I, it is something that has surrounded us, unfortunately, in terms of friends and family. And it's very clear to us, and it's an obvious thing to us. And we've seen it from every level, and we've seen how debilitating it can be. Not somebody that is having a hard time you know, at work and needs to take the afternoon off, but you know, somebody that can't get to work for weeks and months and that sort of thing. And when that's the case, it's very real to you. And again, like so many things in our lives, if we're sheltered from it, we often fear it and don't understand it. And if we are, then it's something that we can understand and have a conversation about. And so I think we've just been luck of the draw, whether it's you know, good luck or bad luck, I don't know which it is, but we've been exposed to it. So we appreciate it. And Sean, I think, again, what you're doing is tremendous, and we haven't done anything like that at Brand Fuel, but I think it's something that we would absolutely take a look at. We applaud what you're doing. I appreciate that, and and thanks for sharing that, too. I understand it completely and have loved ones in myself. I mean, I've had my issues with anxiety as well, and I think that helped open up this kind of conversation a little bit more with our staff, too. So close to home that way for sure. Sean, there was something you said a little bit earlier on about social media, and it intrigued me in a question that we'll see, we'll see what you think about this. So you made the point that in social media, that particularly a lot of younger people are faced with a world that is just hard to keep up with because mm-hmm. they're constantly comparing themselves to other people and they're presenting this great face. And they're like, how many likes or comments did I get? I didn't get as many as so-and-so. And that's one of the things that can trigger depression and anxiety is just constant comparing yourself to others. And if you take a step back away from the personal approach to social media, all of our brands in the promotional product space are also very forward thinking from a social media perspective in terms of how Brand Boulevard as a company portrays itself on social media. And so I'm wondering if any of this journey has informed and impacted or maybe influenced how Brand Via approached the social media at Brand Boulevard in terms of how it is that you go to market and presenting your brand from a social media perspective? It might have. I'm definitely attuned to that. I know that we definitely focus on social media from a business standpoint of view. I know our staff is very heavily involved in person. They're personalized in social media. Yeah. I was for a while. I mean, now I'm off social media. I've been off for a bit now just to kind of test those waters personally. I just found I gravitated too much to my phone. And I'm like, I just had the peace and quiet of it. Like anything, I mean, they're masters of getting you to check your phone, right? That's what they're designed to do. So we're always fighting that as a human being. But I think what helps steer to that is, I mean, our social media platform has always been culture and community. And we're very proud of the work we do in the community. And that's kind of how we show it. It isn't from a showing standpoint of here, look what we do and what we sell or provide. And I think that's kind of made that a bit easier if that kind of helps answer the question. But 
I think ultimately, when we, back when we launched Tosamine, we were doing what we were doing from a business standpoint of view. The mental health issue wasn't as prevalent also as it is today, or at least in our circle. I totally see that dynamic there, kind of how those worlds could collide. You make the comment about being off social media, and I'd love to get Robert's perspective on this because, Robert, you've had a somewhat uh, – I'm trying to think of what – Non-existent what, relationship with say, social media? I was going to say a tortured <laughs> relationship with social yeah. media, which is probably apt. But, yeah. but Sean, you, you, know, you made this comment about being off social. Have you found that that has positively impacted your emotional and mental state by being off of it? Or am I, I reading too deeply into this? No, I don't think you are. I think it helps. I think that there's never one thing, and I think it's a whole bunch of things that, that individuals that are having struggles in the mental health world, there's not a magic pill. You can take medication, you can, and all these studies are accurate to some degree. You can work out, you can eat the right things, you can yeah. meditate. I mean, there's all these booms in apps just to get you to meditate or programs yeah. to meditate or just yeah. the mindfulness of it. Yeah. And I think all of that helps. So I think that's one degree that helps. For me, I mean, Twitter, and I never really got past Twitter. I didn't get into the Instagram world. I was Facebook forever was the big one I was on. And yeah. I'm kind of thankful, I think, that I was born in the late 70s there. So when Facebook came along, I was never, I didn't jump full deep into it. I was kind of cool. I, I can see the benefit of it, obviously. You can communicate with family, friends that are long distances and all that other stuff. But I easily saw kind of the dark side of it, too, as far as, I post something, I'm putting myself out there, and now I'm going back to check to see what people said about it. Yeah. And then I see people around me that are doing it a lot. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, okay, why is it that important that these people see what you did on the weekend? Or why yeah. is it that important that a guy I went to high school with is showing off his fish tank? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, but there's so many wins in social media, too, and it's just such an uncharted, there's still not a lot of meat there yet as far yeah. as what you can really look at. Yeah. Well, Mark, I would say, you know, from my perspective, thankfully, I, I don't think I have a bucket load of mental health issues, but I will say that I think I'm probably a happier guy that I'm not on social media. And for many of the reasons Sean mentioned, and as you know, probably more than anyone, but maybe Danny and Bobby, about my tortured relationship with social media. And it's been tough because you know, here you are as somebody who runs a business and, and is leading parts of the industry at, at times and that sort of thing, yeah. and you're expected to be on social media and you're expected to be comfortable there. And I've been very resistant to it for many of the same reasons that Sean mentioned and the idea of crafting a response for an hour and waiting to see how many likes. And, you know, it actually, it happened to me the few times I've posted anything you know, damned if I wasn't, you know, right on there trying to see who liked it and how many hearts and, you know, who responded yeah. and who commented and all that kind of stuff. And it made me feel horrible. Yeah. It really did. It made me feel kind of dirty. But the challenge to me right now, as you know, Mark, I'm putting together a book that is sort of a 300-page coffee table book with a bunch of photographs and, and interviews about an event down in Athens, Georgia called Homecoming with drive-by truckers. And and uh, it's about the community down there that comes together across the world to rejoice in the music, but also to raise a ton of money every year for a charity down there called Nucci Space. And Nucci Space provides free mental health services to artists and musicians in Athens, Georgia, uh, awesome. that need it. And so thank you, man. And we come together and go down there for three days of three nights of joyous music and community, and then we raise this money for Nucci's. And I will say that what I'm finding is 
I'm trying to figure out how to sell as many of these books as I can when they come out during the holiday season. And Facebook, obviously, is going to be one of the primary ways that I get this message out and get the Shopify link out to folks. And it is very obvious to me now that my lack of social media prowess or growth or friends or whatever it might be, I think I've got a couple hundred friends I've just said, you know, not no to, but just ignored. You know, I've never clicked on those things. Me, by the way. Yeah, yeah, who knows? And hopefully they get it. But in any event, I see both sides of it, the wonderful network that can be created for good with social media. But to me, I'll end up selling these books and it's been great. But to me, there's a real sort of battle between do I go over to the dark side? I've resisted this long, like I'm not going to do it. And so it really is kind of interesting. I would bet that we are going to see, if we haven't already, an enormous growth of anxiety and mental health issues among 10 to 15-year-olds. I think we're probably starting to see it, although I can't cite anything. But I would bet my life that that is going to become a major, major issue. Yeah, I don't know exact numbers either, but in the research I've done, it's pointing that direction. I think what you're doing there is fantastic, and I think that that's the torture the social media world gives us, doesn't it, as business owners? When Facebook first came out, we were gangbusters all over it. We were like, let's promote this. I don't think we necessarily knew at the time (laughs) from a marketing standpoint of view, but we're young. We get it. We can tackle it. We can beat some of the people out there that are older than us in our industry, and we were all over it. And uh, I think it's from a strategic standpoint, from a brand boulevard's point of view, we've kind of died down on the social media. I think our main thing is culture community. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to sit too long. But we definitely devalued it in the last so many years and put our marketing efforts elsewhere. And I think just based on where Chris and I's mind frame is on it. But I see your point. I think there's wonderful success stories and done properly. I think the fact that we're having this conversation is the victory because I think we're where it needs to grow to is, is understanding that that's a wonderful, wonderful tool, but it came so fast and it grows continually so fast that yeah. it's hard for us to wrap around the good of it and yeah. the bad of it's just kind of that cloud looming too, right? So it's yeah. like we've got to figure out how to properly use it. Right. Yeah, I heard something on a podcast the other day. I'll get it wrong, but it was something like, we provide the germs, but Facebook provides the wind. You know, and it was just like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I I heard a story the other day, and going back to what you just said, like about the younger generation coming up, a friend of uh, my wife and I is is a teacher, and she said, older teacher talking about this never used to be an issue. So the example was, it came time for speeches, like you have to get up and talk. And, And hey, I remember doing that when I was in public school and being like, my hands were sweaty, shaking. I didn't want to get up and talk, right? But you do it. Everyone did it. It was just kind of, you got to kind of do it. And now it's like parents are calling in for their kids saying, my kid has anxiety, he can't do the public speaking. And it's becoming a lot more of that norm. Or even for kids in their 20s that have jobs. And it hit me kind of hard and when, interesting, when you look at people in their 20s now are not like they were 20, 30 years ago in different generations. People in their 20s, a lot of millennials that are in their young 20s don't consider themselves adults. And I remember when I was 18, I was like, get me the heck out of the house. Like, I want out. <laughs> I just I just wanted to go explore and see the world, right? And now you have, like, people in their 20s and their parents are still calling in and saying, he can't come to work today. He's not feeling well. That happens, and it never used to happen. There's a lot of that out there. Hey, Sean, one quick question for you. I'm curious. It sounds like most of these sessions, or if not most of them, all of them, are private and singular with one person and the counselor. Have you all ever opened it up? 
maybe brought down the walls a bit and had any kind of group sessions a la Alcoholics Anonymous, that sort of way that they do it? Well, we kind of did did off the cuff at, uh, um, and, it, and it worked really, really well as far as opening up in a group setting. So I guess the story there goes, we, beginning of the year, we take our staff um, just north of Toronto up to Hockley Valley there. It's a nice, nice resort. Can't say enough good things about the people there and, and that place. And we, t- we it's our company AGM. So we go every January, end of January, and we talk about our plans for the year. And Chris and I get up and talk about what we want to do and accomplish. And we have different breakout sessions and all that stuff. And um, during kind of what we call our um, kind of state of the uh, the uh, union with uh, Chris and Sean, we get up and talk. And uh, I reached out a little bit and I told people some of my struggles about, I guess I got a 2013, how long was it? I guess five-ish years ago or something. I, I mean, I, I was a guy and I, I always joked with my mom about this one as well too, that I didn't know stress was a thing. <laughs> when you're younger, I was just kind of like, ah, what am I going to do today? You know, I didn't really know. And then I opened a business and as you guys can relate, wow. So I think I'm a control freak by nature. So we got to the point where we were growing and they're all good problems to have. But when you go from two, three staff to five to 10 to 15 to 20 and, and my office started to turn into a turnstile, like I, it was just constantly dealing with things. Right. And, and I didn't handle that. My mind couldn't match that. So I, I ran into some belts with anxiety and panic attacks and, and that prompted me to talk to somebody about it and, and figure out what's going on. This has never happened before. And I, you get into the panic attack where they start thinking they have a heart attack. So I have that relationship with it. And, and I shared that at our this recent AGM. And, and I remember Chris saying to me, you know, now that you shared that story, this is going to open up. Because Chris always knew about it. <laughs> and we would always have t- chats and talks about kind of that and our relationship with. I mean, we're very close that way as business partners and, and sharing all that information. And, and after I shared that with the staff, um, there was – a few staff members that came up to me in different private settings um, um, surprised me in some of who they were, whether it was a loved one that they had that's suffering or whether it's themselves that's tackling with something. So I think that setting and a, and a certain setting done properly like that is is very powerful as well, too, um, sharing okay. that story. And I think that's what we have to – is showing that vulnerability, right? And I think that that's something that naturally – for me was a hard thing to do because I didn't want to share it when initially it happened. I hit it. And, and, and that's just kind of who my makeup was. I didn't want to show any weaknesses. I, I can't do this. I'm a business owner and we're growing and this is happening. And I'm just wasn't comfortable in sharing my vulnerability anyway. So I think when that happened, when I did that, I think that really, sorry, not, I think it really did open it up for the staff to come up and start sharing their stories and, and whether it be themselves or loved ones. And that's just allowed for further communication and conversation. That's fantastic. And Danny, my business partner, Danny Rosen, um, I told him we were doing this podcast and he, uh, he shot me a slide, uh, from, uh, from something where he, I guess he saw your, your business partner do, uh, uh, some sort of presentation, um, not too long ago. And the slide, let me just pull it up here. The slide, uh, it had four things on it. It had business, family, community, and health. And, um, you know, those are you, you always you always see business and commu- well, you always see business. Um, and I think you probably mostly see business and community these days. Um, you guys have added health. We've talked about that on this podcast. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the, how how family fits into those four. Well, I mean, it goes right back into the work-life balance side of things, and and I mean, we we call ourselves the brand fam here, and that was kind of token by our staff, and they call themselves brandies. Not such a compliment to make sure for Chris and I for sure. So we definitely have our family here, and um, 
um, how it intertwines with uh, their, our staff and their families at home and, and having events where everyone can kind of be together and get to know what's going on in people's personal lives and their work lives and how much those stuffs intermingle. And the more you get to know your staff and your employees, everything kind of goes together there. So I think it's important that that stuff um, not be separate all the time. And uh, I think that that um, helps have some of these conversations, um, whether it be mental health or whether it just be, hey, uh, getting to know that your loved ones. You spend so much time with the people you yeah. work with. So getting to know them and their loved ones is an important aspect of what we do. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. What advice would you have for an employer listening to this conversation we're having right now that's interested in arranging for the services of an on-site coach or a mental health professional or just someone that can do what you've offered for your for your team? Any any uh, tactical, uh, practical advice that you have? Yeah, I would definitely reach out to whether it be your management team or your core group of leaders that you have at the office, maybe as a starting point to just say, listen, this is something that I think we should look into as an organization and, and just start. I think the easiest thing is start having the conversation because that really recognizes that. And even what we talked about a second ago about um, health as an aspect, and that's kind of what a lot we're talking about too is, is a lot of people still don't consider mental health part of the health equation, right? Like yeah. people still look at it as good, good health is good eating and working out and that stuff. But in reality, it's mental health is a very big part of that same component. So yeah. I think just having that conversation opens up that, that it, it is, it's part of it. Yeah. And then you can look locally would be my first step or around you for organizations that help and have employee assistance programs for mental health. I think letting your crew know and your staff know that, hey, you can talk to somebody about it. You, you, you know, I think it's just a win-win and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. I think yeah. that's the other thing, too. Just having that conversation with people and letting them know that, hey, you can talk to me or this person or your manager. Um, some management teams, have, you can have a sensitivity training on that sort of thing as well, too, so they can handle some of those conversations, which would save from the bottom line side of things. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's excellent. I, I think that it, 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 it's great to see you setting such a profound example, and, and uh, I think that it's um, – I think what we're hopeful for is that this conversation is able to inspire others to to do to do similarly great things within their organizations because I think that it's it's definitely an issue um, and I think for the health of our companies and the health of the industry mm-hmm. um, I think I think we're better off uh, the more open uh, we are around some of these some so I applaud you for for taking the lead um, Mr. Fiveash, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to add or lob in a final question before we uh, before we end thank you mark I would just say that um, you know here hearing you wrap up like that uh, made me think that you know there are there are levels obviously of of uh, of of need here and um, you know, what we've been concentrating on is is probably uh, a more you know a more urgent need and and um you know with a with a counselor and, and and getting help and that sort of thing but there there are levels of it and and one of one of the things that i've always been um really interested in is 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 people's levels of confidence and the um the the ability to unleash people uh once they have confidence and confidence or lack of confidence is 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 not a necessarily a, a mental health issue but but to a degree um it's it's sort of a, a brother of it and um so i think 
I think um, I think there's really good work that you all are doing with uh, with with folks that really have a, an urgent need. But I also think that if we as as business owners or the community or the world can help give people confidence through some of the things that you, that you're doing or through conversations, um, we unleash something that uh, is is unstoppable. And uh, so so again, kudos to what you're doing. Oh, thanks so much, and thanks for providing this platform, guys. I mean. This is what makes these conversations happen, and you guys continually do that with Promo Kitchen. So kudos to you mainly. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.